Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. On this episode, Ohio State crushes Michigan. The not-so-great Sooner Buckeye debate. What does Dabo Sweeney have against fun? and why Jimbo Fisher's nephew might need to get his Aggie kicked. Welcome to the Monday Overreaction Edition of the podcast. Dan Wetzel, we got Pat Forty, we got Pete Thamel. Plenty to get to after rivalry weekend. Uh, we have to start in Columbus, where Ohio State put a hurting physically, Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, on Jim Harbaugh's Wolverines. The revenge tour, except for Ohio State and Notre Dame, is over. Not sure this was a great revenge movie. Didn't quite. (laughs) It's like Rambo only getting a couple of them. Uh, Show of force by the Buckeyes. Uh, they entered, you know, down and dragging at least as much as a 10 and one team can drag. Uh, but boy, they were capable of slapping the Wolverines around, you know, key to me for this game was urban Meyer as he often is capable of doing in big games, not always, but often is able to get his offensive players to win him the game, the best offense, his best offensive player. And sometimes that is a quarterback. Yeah, sometimes that's Percy Harvin or something. Like it could be all different types of court. This time is a bunch of guys. Haskins won him the game. Paris Campbell, uh, some of these wideouts. Uh, he gets them the ball, gets them in to make plays. They get points. Michigan did not do that. Thought they were too reliant on Shea Patterson. It's good, but not great. And there was just not enough Donovan's people. Jones, Tariq, Tariq Black, Nico Collins, guys that could run and, and create stuff. Um, so the Buckeyes racked up the points and Michigan was more conservative and uh, they got 38, but that isn't enough these days. Like Clemson, Alabama, these t- the top teams are going 50-60. You cannot just sit there and say, I'm going to win a game at 38 points. Uh, and so I just thought this was a – I mean, it, it just slapped them around. And it is uh, depressing for Michigan fan because uh, – I don't know that they win this thing without uh, a head coaching change. Unfortunately, the change needs to be in Columbus, not in Harbor. <laughs> uh, and I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, you know, they did show on TV the scene of Shelly Meyer and her family. They were crying on the sideline during the game, late in the game. I don't know what that was about. Was that like a hit? This is the last game, last game at Ohio Stadium. Um we have no, we don't know, but uh, Pete, you were there. What did you think of uh, of the game? Yeah, I mean, look, I uh, I actually picked Ohio State in the game only because I'm so far behind Pat in the Race for the Case podcast that it was out of pure desperation. No fiber of my being thought Ohio State would win this game, and absolutely no part of me thought they would hang 62 on the number one defense in the country. Uh, Michigan, Don Brown's defense, I think a lot of Don Brown, uh, led the nation in total defense and led the nation in pass defense. And they just got absolutely emasculated in a way that no one could have envisioned. Like, no one at all. It was stunning to just watch 
drive after drive after drive. And let's be honest, if they didn't throw Tate Martell in the red zone for those two drives, it really could have been 70. They easily could have hung 70 on them. And That wasn't uh, a drive. Those were just plays that went all the way down the field, some of those drives. Yes. No, I mean, it was little like the, ty- the Tariq Hill pass to Paris Campbell. The no crossing third routes downs. that kept going. Yeah. yeah. No. I mean, I mean it was just, yeah. yeah. They just, just gashed them. Absolutely gashed them. Uh, I talked to someone on the Ohio State staff on uh, Saturday night, and I thought they, they, they had a really good point. They said, you know what? In college, with the revenge tour and the guaranteed win and a master motivator like Meyer, you can get a lot of mileage out of that little stuff. You know, And I really think that's one of Meyer's strengths is sort of whipping up a frenzy in a team. And certainly you could argue that that frenzy should have probably been whipped up six, eight weeks ago as they've sort of scuffled and sputtered and especially defensively been gashed for big plays. But, uh, you know, give them credit for running the running the underdog. Urban Meyer has like a little bit of the ultimate collegiate cheese ball in him. Like I remember Stan Drayton, who worked for him, uh, is now at Texas, but worked for him at Ohio State for years, told me once, he said, basically, Urban Meyer would never be an NFL coach because – like his strengths play into the college game so much. Everything about this game, home field advantage, the underdog role, he can make a mountain out of the molehill of like Karan Higdon vaguely, vaguely indicating he thinks his team should win. I mean, right. but like like if you can push those buttons and push and push and push, and uh, I, give them, uh, I give them a lot of credit. And then a little early success, I feel like the early crossing routes and wheel routes and screens – really loosened up the Michigan defense to the point where they could go over the top on them like they did a few times. And then, uh, you know, I, I mean, look, it's not like Ohio State's had bad players this year. So especially at the receiver position, they have high-end athletes, really good players, and they did a great job scheming them up. Pat, what did you think when you watched? I was shocked. Um, really impressed with what Ohio State did for all the reasons uh, Pete articulated uh, stunned though at the size of the the dodo egg, the ostrich egg that Michigan laid in a must-win game. I think they felt the pressure of that. Uh, I think when they didn't get off to a good start, they almost immediately looked like they started to go into the "oh no, here we go" against Ohio State mode again. Stadium was berserk, and even then, when they got a couple of big breaks and got back into the game, though, it was like they were never going to stop Ohio State enough times to win. And one thing I was really impressed, Ryan Day and Urban Meyer did, they found the weak links and they just mercilessly exploited the weak links on that defense. Poor Brandon Watson, oh. defensive back. I mean, they just went at him, you know, like bullies on a schoolyard going after the little kid. I mean, over and over and over. And I was thinking about this, the, the toughest positions – in college football, when, when you are having a really bad day, are quarterback, kicker, and cornerback. You can't get away. They, you can't hide uh, if you can't cover everybody that they're putting out there against you. And I, I almost wanted him to just get him off the field. But also, Devin Bush couldn't cover, and they exploited that. Uh, and it was pretty masterful performance by them and just a dreadful, awful, terrible performance by Michigan that I don't know how you regroup from that. I mean, you they will, but – is Jim Harbaugh now like the most miserable coach to have won 10 games three out of four years? Because you've got to be able to compete with Ohio State. you got to beat them, but you certainly got to compete with them, especially when on paper going in, you've got the better team. And they never competed. It's terrible. I just I don't know what Michigan does. I mean, that's I, I, they have to get a great right. – they got to get a better quarterback. They have to have a great quarterback if they're going to run this system. Shake Patterson is good. Uh, again, but I just don't think he's great. The, the, the offense is so predicated on having a quarterback. But, I mean, they have put enormous resources into recruiting. And they remember, you know, four years ago, they went to every little town. They did all these satellite camps. They were going to unearth all these great athletes. Yeah, you know, Ohio State looked faster. Um, oh, yeah. You know, they, they, they IMG Academy for a week. We're going to do... Get Tom Brady out here for, you know, signing with the stars. We're going to have everything we could possibly. Derek Jeter, I think, was there. And they're doing, they did everything they can to get better players. They've got good players, but they just, 
this one just this is a kick in the shins, man. I mean, it's like, where do we go? We this is our team, and they were rattled. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. They need Meyer to go and take the shot with Ryan Day, as far as I'm concerned. And I just <laughs> don't know whether that's going to happen. I mean, do you are we still in this mode where nothing would surprise us with Urban next year? You know, it, it's interesting because if they'd lost, I would have thought we'd get some Clary Vieto's future this week. But now they're winning. I mean, they could end up in the playoff. If a week ago we were sitting on this Overaction Monday podcast talking about Ohio State in the playoff, you would have fitted me for a padded helmet. And now it's like a coin flip, right? Yeah. Like, ish, you know? Like, this is my favorite part of all this is that all these Ohio State fans have to root for Tom Herman on Saturday. In the uh, in the Big Twelve title uh, game against oh, yeah. Oklahoma, that's a that's a nice little uh, nice little wrinkle. Uh, hook them, right? Oh, okay, um, cool. Hook them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hook them. So, um, but yeah, like it's uh, it is it has been. I wrote this in my my previous story. It has been a season on the brink for Ohio State all year. They look like they were falling apart at the seams, going to collapse. They almost lost to Nebraska. They almost lost to Mar- They should have lost to Maryland. Indiana, they played terrible. Nebraska had two drops, so they would have beat them. Like, they were just an inch away from losing all these games. And, like, you know, the, the question's like, where, where where was this? You know, where was this effort? Where was this defensive performance? Where was all this stuff that, you know, just, I mean, it was a, it was a complete evisceration. There's no other way to say it. So, on that playoff bit. Uh, Oklahoma outlasts West Virginia Friday night. So this is really the debate we're down to. Notre Dame's in. Alabama's in. They'd have to lose by 50 to Georgia, uh, I think, for Alabama to drop out. I think if they they lose by 49, they're still in. I don't know. It's got to be a lot. Clemson is in, I think, unless they get trucked by Pitt because they're going to need both. And Georgia loses. I don't know. You know, Georgia can get in if they win. Uh, so I think if Georgia upsets Bama, then the field is Clemson, Notre Dame, Georgia, Bama. If Bama wins, it's Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and barring this pit upset that I don't see happening. So. Yeah, don't put the uh, Wetzel Girls College Fund on the Panthers. That's I'm my, not putting that my, on the my Panthers. My humble advice. I don't want to. I don't want to jump ahead to the race for the case pod, but uh, I not feel in like, the ACC title yeah. game either in Charlotte. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, so let's say Oklahoma wins. Let's say Ohio State beats Northwestern. Oklahoma avenges its loss to Texas. Who 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 do you take, Pat? Oklahoma or Ohio State? Man, oh man, those were a couple of cream cheese choices. I don't, I don't like either of them. You don't like cream uh, cheese? Like, <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Soft choices, weak. Oh, all right. Uninspired. I mean, hey, can we have a three-team playoff at that point? <laughs> I, I, I feel like we have a two and a half-team playoff. By the way, it's like we're gonna have I, to I do too. talk our way into Notre Dame and Clemson, and then every, the other one are. It's like, hey, Oklahoma or Ohio State, you're getting boat raced. Right, and I'll give Georgia a shot. I mean, I guess Georgia can prove something, but I'm not sure Georgia's not better than both these other two anyway. They're just going to lose first. So right, yeah, no, no. It's uh, Georgia. Georgia. I really think. I mean, you know, they'll come to regret obviously the loss in Baton Rouge, or else uh, I, I absolutely think they would get in there. But I mean, it's it's not a great choice between Oklahoma and Ohio State. These are wildly flawed teams. Oklahoma has an atrocious defense, and Alabama would score every single possession, I think, against that defense. Now, the fun part would be to see if, you know, how many points Oklahoma could match uh, Alabama with. But I wrote about this in the Dash uh, for this week. The Oklahoma defense, if you, if you want to rank, like, the unit's performance of all the top six teams, the one that sticks out is does not belong is the Oklahoma defense. They're 111th nationally. Now, the Ohio State defense, no great shakes either. It's 67th. But everybody else, Notre Dame, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, they're all in the top 25. And then on offense, all of them are in the top 25. So it's the Oklahoma defense that's sticking out there like, woo, that is a really bad unit. But I would still take the Sooners ahead of the Buckeyes because they've got a better resume. Their loss is a million times better. It's it's a short body of work for the playoff, but nobody's had a 29-point loss to a 6-6 six and six team and made the playoff or anything really resembling that kind of loss and still gotten in. So I just don't know how Ohio State can really overcome 
that if you're looking at two 12 and one teams, that one is this big, glaring, disqualifying beatdown from a Purdue team that didn't get bowl eligible until Saturday. Oklahoma's loss was three points neutral field to a team that's ranked in the top 10, and they'll get a chance to avenge that loss Saturday in the Big 12 championship game. They would have then run the table against, they would have beaten everybody in the Big 12. Uh, they don't have a lot on the non-conference schedule, but neither does Ohio State. You know, they've got, they've got decent wins over Iowa State and, believe it or not, Army. They've got a good win at West Virginia, and if they would split with Texas, that's not bad. Ohio State has the blowout of Michigan and a one-point win over Penn State and a one-point win over a 5-7 and seven team, a five-point win over a 4-8 and eight team, and a 29-point loss to a 6-16. Six and six team. Buckeyes out. Pete, what do you think? So let, let me play devil's advocate to the fourth Brom brother here um, who, who advocated for, uh, for, 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 for his, uh, his beloved Purdue a little bit there. Um, so let's go by the theory of momentum, right? Like these are two, two not very tall midgets we're choosing from here, right? And we finally saw Ohio State play to its talent on Saturday, all right? So saying under the bright lights in Indianapolis, Urban Meyer keeps his team on a string and they beat a really, really pedestrian Northwestern team. We've made a living off of sort of poking fun at Northwestern's like overt statistical vagaries this year in terms of just how kind of pathetic they've been statistically, really. So let's say Ohio State does what the star rankings say it should do and runs Northwestern off the field and wins 60-7. to Do you say or do we say that Ohio State is finally playing to – what Ohio State should be and would be a better foil against Alabama, which I believe pound for pound talent-wise is probably true, versus the consistent performance of the season, in which I agree with Pat, you'd have to take Oklahoma. Uh, it's an interesting theory. Uh, I just don't think beating Northwestern proves anything. <laughs> you know, Akron did it. Akron did it. Yeah, you're right. Akron did do it. That's why beating them proves nothing. So. <laughs> I don't see Ohio State as having Akron much might be firing their coach this week, by the way. <laughs> Terry Terry Bowden. God Terry bless. Bowden, former Yahoo Sports employee. Oh wow. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe Good we can man. maybe we can get him back. Secrets. Yeah. Uh, yes. yeah. Let's go. Well, don't do it, Akron. First off, you yeah. got extra money because you're still stealing that money from, from Nebraska. So <laughs> that's right. Still have not resolved that ongoing saga. Terry Bowden's great move. <laughs> Terry's good people, man. He was great when he worked here. Um I, I, I'm going – I would go with Oklahoma on this because I don't like the eye test. You know, to me, then it's just like, okay, they could be good, but they're often not. In my dream world, they would just be one computer formula. Like, we just have a computer formula that where you figure out beforehand and you run it, and this is the system. Like, if we're going to have this thing, I would just go with that. Now, I know that bringing up math, okay, in a college, by the way, college football thing, just scares the crap out of everybody. <laughs> so everybody's like, no, no, you can't have a mathematical formula. We don't like math. We like old dudes sitting in Texas <laughs> every week going through a nebulous process. Okay. Uh, so I would just do. So my thing would be Oklahoma. Yeah, that defense is terrible, but they still got there. Everyone else is worse. You know, like. I just, I, you know, I would, I would go with Oklahoma, but it's going to be tight. Urban's going to run this thing up on Northwestern. Like, holy cow. If he can score 222. Like he did to Minnesota and Nebraska. Yeah. The best thing that could happen to him is uh, this is what drove me crazy about the other. Now they end up winning the national title, but I just hated the, the year they got in and, and, and everyone got hurt. And so they put their third string quarterback in and everyone was like, Oh my God! They won with their third string quarterback. Like Ohio State doesn't recruit like some knobby need hundred and fifty pound. <laughs> like, what do you think is going on here? Yeah. The third string quarterback is an NFL quarterback. Just because he's on the third string does not mean he's bad. I well, hate it. Six five two forty yeah. and can throw it fifty yards. Oh my and he's in God! The NFL, they won so, with a yeah. third. It was the stupidest criteria ever, and that's what like drives me crazy sometimes. But like. Where in the criteria is it? So if you if your quarterback doesn't get hurt, 
you are now punished because you cannot get the bonus point of having your third string quarterback, who's still in the NFL, by the way. And the other two aren't, right? He's like, Cardell's in there. So anyway, they acted like this guy just like, you know, we got this kid in, in horn rim glasses from like Akron Buckle. <laughs> you know, you know, can't even throw it five yards. He was the uh, backup at Buckdell. Yeah, he's the, he couldn't even start at Buckdell. <laughs> I don't think Buckdell exists anymore. Even see, that's how bad it was. Anyway, I'd go with Oklahoma, but man, I don't know. I I think it's like pick your poison. You want in? I kind of just want to see how many points Alabama could score on Oklahoma's defense. I know everyone's like, I don't want to see Oak. This is a big thing. Who wants to see Oklahoma's defense take on Alabama? I'm like, me. This would be <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> she was salivating somewhere. Like, don't you like watching explosives go against the, the building it's about to detonate? Like, everyone watches that thing. Like, his video of a building getting detonated. Like, yeah, I want to watch that. <laughs> Here's my provocative question. If Georgia loses close to Alabama, yeah. do the Bulldogs have a chance to be in there ahead of Oklahoma or Ohio State? I, I would not have a problem with that. If that's a field goal game, rematch. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I, you got to look at the numbers and all the stuff, but I don't think that's out. Oklahoma and Ohio State has not distinguished themselves as very good fives. I mean, they just aren't. No. They're not. I, I I think it's certainly worth like I agree looking at, and and thinking about. I think the committee would be scared to death of leaving out both the Big Ten and the Big Twelve and the Pac twelve, <laughs> and listening to the caterwauling that would come from Jim Delaney and Bob Bowlesby and Larry Scott. That's well, their fault. And they'd be terrified of putting two SEC teams in again, and they'd be terrified of a rematch of a game that was just played in early December again in late December. But if the charge is the four best teams. And they play Alabama closer than anybody's played them, and Alabama's not had a game closer than 22 points this whole season. Uh, I think it would be a fascinating, at least, discussion. I, that would be one I would love to be in the room to hear. Georgia versus 11 and – will be 11 and 2 Georgia versus 12 and 1 Oklahoma versus 12 and 1 Ohio State. What's Georgia's best win? Florida. Good win. I would yeah. say if Alabama won on a – Last second kick, but I know Alabama can't kick it. So I'm going to say <laughs> they yeah. won on the last second. A last second to a bomb, just yeah. like last year. Last yeah. second safety. Do it again? I don't know. All right, well, let's talk about the team that is in. Notre Dame, 12-0. and And all listeners, please spare me the, quote, 13th data point argument. First off, you're a nerd if you're using the term 13th data point. Stop reading Bill Hancock interview transcripts. Good God. Get some of those Dan Wetzel glasses we get to see every week if you're using 13th data point from CVS brand. 13th data point. Let me break it down real quick. Alabama and Clemson only have 12 data points because they play an FCS team and they don't count those. So if you want it to be fair, the Notre Dame has to play Furman on Saturday. (laughs) Okay, they played 12 teams. So did the other guys. They're in. Deal with it. Pat, you were at the game. Can we believe that the Irish are contenders here, even with their secure spot at number three? Eh, They're in. I'm not sure they're going to do much when they get in. I don't like their matchup against Clemson a whole lot. Uh you know, I, I, I agree. I mean, like, everybody that's complaining about Notre Dame, shut up. It's over. They're in. Yeah, they're unde- they're in independence. So what? That was part of the rules of engagement. Good for them for being able to be an independent and make it work. Good for them for not having to play a stupid conference championship game. And as Dan pointed out, yeah, if they want to make this really equal, then, yeah, go schedule an FCS team. Fine. Uh, but I don't know. They're, I mean, they're good. They're a good team, but – I. You look at, at Clemson and Alabama, and those teams, to me, are a cut above. They are uh, just more talented. They're more athletic. Uh, Notre Dame's got – is maximizing the hell out of what they've got. Ian Book, I was standing by him on the field. I mean, he's a, he's a really good player, but I'm looking here. He's listed six foot, please. He's 5'10". 
Uh, his arm is okay. It's really not great. Uh, but he started Akron Bucktel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, he could do that. He could, but I, that's about it. He's a pretty good quarterback. No, he is. Not he big, is. though. He's, he's, he's accurate. Day. No, he's, he's accurate. Yeah, he's super accurate. I mean, that's the, you know, the Joe Montana ultralight part of it is he's accurate and crafty and knows where to go with the ball and can escape and do stuff. Um, but he's, uh, you know, I, I, you can look at, the, I mean, Chris Fink is a really good wide receiver, but you stand next to him and you're like, wow, you make Hunter Renfro look impressive. You know, these guys, they just, they're an okay team. They're a good team. They're a good team, but they're, they're pretty average to unremarkable in a lot of areas physically. They haven't just dominated the competition the way Alabama and Clemson have. You know, I don't relish the thought of seeing them play either Alabama or Clemson, but to me, they're they're certainly in, and Brian Kelly maybe should be national coach of the year. Unbelievable turnaround from two years ago when they were four and eight. Jack Swarbrick, the AD, pointed it out. You know, when they left LA Coliseum two years ago, he said we were flat on our backs because they were terrible. And in two years, they've turned around and gone twenty-two and three since then. Very impressive. Pete, is there anything here? So I talked to a uh, a scout today who's kind of been through all all the all the all the spots, and he was just basically like, "God bless Notre Dame, but they would get throttled by Clemson, and they would get throttled by Alabama." Now, Dino Babers said something a lot different. He said after the uh, Yankee Stadium game, the Syracuse coach said, "You know, Notre Dame is a little bit underrated. Like, don't sleep on them. He thinks they're uh, he thinks they're very very good, but." I uh, I tend to agree with the cynical scout that uh, my line on Notre Dame this season is that the sum has been better than the parts. And that's a credit to Brian Kelly, first of all. It's credit to Clark Lee, the defensive coordinator, Chip Long, the OC. Um, you know, uh, Tommy Reese, the quarterback coach, has done a great job. Like, obviously, they've done a good job maximizing what they, ha- maximizing what they have. And they have very good players, Jerry Tillery, Drew Tranquil, Julian Love is the one like surefire first round pick they have at corner. Um, but I don't like Notre Dame in either of those matchups against Alabama or Clemson. I just really, really don't. Um, I would hope uh, I'm going to be at the Orange Bowl. So I would hope that if it's Clemson, Notre Dame, as we've thought in the 40 theory of uh, infallibility for the past uh, six weeks, that that's going to be the matchup. I hope it's a good game. I'd like to see a good competitive game. And I don't think it will turn into the last Notre Dame House of Horrors at Hard Rock Stadium or whatever ghost of uh, corporate past it may have been called at the time uh, during that Alabama-Notre Dame title game. I don't think they'll get run off the field in that manner, but I am not I am not on like Irish pluck bandwagon uh, for, for long-term domination. Dan, they also got killed by yeah. Miami down there. Yes, they did. You might have to go find the quarterback's girlfriend again if Notre Dame plays. <laughs> I hope Wetzel's there. He's got a nose for that stuff. So yeah, I'm good at, at bad at bad assignments. I, I can make anything go. <laughs> I got my parents' tickets to that game. They left early, you know, like, and they're like so nervous about traffic. They like got to the game like four hours early, and it was over after like three yeah. series. Yeah, it was bad. Merry Christmas, uh, mom and dad. I yeah, you know they've played Clemson pretty good when they played them in the ACC game. So it's fair. We, uh, uh, you know, we got time for that one. We'll see. All right, LSU A and M. That was the most epic game of the weekend. Not known as its traditional rival, but we're you know getting there. Seven OTs. Everyone's gassed. Coach O's hair was a mess. Dude got a Gatorade bath, but lost. <laughs> it's always good. Got a Gatorade bath, and then had to stand out there on the field for another hour and a half. Reason, man, Coach O. That's no problem for Coach O. Could have just stood in the Gatorade bath. He wouldn't even have noticed. <laughs> Tough. Anyway, as good as the game was, it got even better after when there's a big fight. <laughs> I mean, that was – and then we had a mystery. I mean, this is good stuff, okay? I've been excited about this, all right? <laughs> yeah, why did we lead with this, Dan? I am kind of surprised. I'm trying to be reasonable. <laughs> Let's get down. Now you're going to hear some excitement in my voice. <laughs> So there was a mystery man who had a A&M uh, badge on, and they were saying he was an A&M staffer. And for some reason, he ran up and decided to punch assistant coach Steve Cragthorpe in the pacemaker. Just punched him in his pacemaker, which he has to to keep his Parkinson's under control. I mean, 
What the heck is this? You're fighting an old man <laughs> in, with Parkinson's. Okay. Then uh, we get details. Okay. The Baton Rouge advocate doing some great reporting here. Has multiple sources reporting that the mystery man was Cole Fisher, nephew of Jimbo. What the Whoa. heck? Yeah. Did you hear about this? Now, Cole Fisher is lucky he's alive because a- after he punched Cragthorpe, who used to coach Tulsa and Louisville. Pat, you might know him. Uh, sure. Yeah. LSU assistant Kevin Falk got a hold of him. And Cole even swung at Kevin Falk, and Falk got kind of pushed aside. And I know Kevin Falk from his days in the Patriots. He's a great LSU player, too. Uh, Cole Fisher's lucky he's in one piece right now because Kevin Falk wants to destroy you. It's going to happen. But For sure. Uh this was great. I mean, what a fight. Other than, I'm mean, hopefully Cragthorpe and his pacemaker are right. This may not age well, but I think he was fine. He said he was going to the doctor Monday. Uh, I've been reading up, like, steadily on this. I did almost no reading on it. <laughs> I read everything the advocate. Really good coverage of the Baton Rouge advocate. They should cover the UFC as well. Uh, anyway... Uh, what? <laughs> I have no question. What the hell, Pat? What the hell is this yeah. story? Yeah. SEC, damn, this is the SEC. <laughs> Dan sounded like the old Saturday Night Live skit. Hey, Bono, do you remember when you played uh, Beautiful Day? That was awesome. <laughs> that was basically. What are you doing punching was. a guy in the Pat. pacemaker? <laughs> Pat, did you read as much about this awesome hey. fight as me? That was awesome. <laughs> 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 the picture I'm looking at in the advocate now. Um, yeah, Jimbo Fisher's nephew looks like he has a wonderful air of like SEC Bama Bang douchiness to him. And he's about he's getting like strangled by Kevin Falk as he tries to take off his shirt. Like he just looks like he deserves to be beaten down. Um, it, it just the picture makes me very happy. Uh, give a lot of credit to uh, advocate staff photo. Hillary uh, Shiniak. Um, yes, it, the, the, the advocate reporters and the reporters in Washington state who ask Mike Leach the questions about which animals should fight each other. They deserve some sort of like journalistic award from our podcast. Cause what that- is this lunatic doing? Taking on Kevin Fox. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Fox, a bad man. <laughs> this is what a- makes you, first of all, you've just won this seven overtime game that you were basically handed by the officials like three different times. <laughs> you should be running around like wanting to kiss people, not go and punch Steve Cragthorpe in the pacemakers. <laughs> unbelievable this good now this does go this goes to my point though of too many people on the sidelines jimbo fisher's nephew get the <laughs> hell off the sideline get his pass away from him Did you see like the the ohio state michigan game there's nine million people on the sidelines somebody caught a pass for ohio state went flying out of bounds and just obliterated some jack leg who's standing there you know because why are you standing the old there? players oh, go oh the old players yeah, get right. to go plus like LeBron once brought the entire Cleveland Cavaliers, like, you know, anybody right. on there. Yeah. Good for a career. Yeah, no. But what is this yeah, jack no, wagon I, doing? Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's just it, amazing. The, 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 but this is, that was, that picture was everything you need to know about SEC football. I thought right there, <laughs> Kevin Falk versus Cole Fisher in like the, the, the throwdown of, of the century. It was beautiful. He's literally though connecting. Yeah. They interviewed Kevin Falk after. And he just said he saw the guy get punched, you know, I mean, he had to go after him. But good restraint by Falk because, yeah, yeah. that's not – you do not want to – that's not the new – you biting off that apple, man. Look out. Alert the Pulitzer Committee. Advocate for Pulitzer. Let's get the momentum Advocate, going. Advocate, great job. <laughs> yes, yes. Great job, Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge Advocate. Uh, okay, there was also a brawl in Chapel Hill after NC State won uh, beat North Carolina in OT. Uh, they, the team scrapped uh, – there's a lot of punching guys with helmets on and stuff. No pacemaker shots, as far as we know. Uh, <laughs> really? I mean, I'm guessing Cole even feels a little bad. After. I mean, this guy looks like a total he better. medium. He's like, wait, I punched a guy with Parkinson's this season. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oops. That wasn't Excuse good. me. But yeah. anyways, this big fight at the end of the game. And uh, this is my favorite part of the fight is, of course, they asked Larry Fedora about it after when they weren't asking him whether you're going to get fired. Uh, hint, he was going to get fired. He did. We'll get to that. But uh, this is Larry Fedora goes. What was your reaction to what happened in the end zone at the end? What? The 
fight, the scuffle? There was no fight. Not to my knowledge. So the reporter's oh. dumbfounded. He goes, what would you call it? <laughs> and he, Fedor, you can tell the beat writers are just sick of Larry Fedor at this point. Oh, yeah. He just right. gets fired, right? <laughs> All the questions are like, so, uh, Larry, looks like you're going to get fired. Ha <laughs> <Right>? ha. <laughs> you uh, got any uh, thoughts on that? Uh, so he goes, not to my knowledge. Like, basically denying there's a fight. So the reporter goes, what would you call it? What would you call it? I don't know. Their team celebrating and our team celebrating. Celebrate. Yeah. yeah. So then someone jumps in with a question again about whether he's going to get fired. So the, the, the dumbfounded reporter comes back and goes, what was your team celebrating? <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous question. Celebrating a three and eight season with losses to all our rivals. We're yeah. Celebrating losing the overtime game. They were actually said, celebrating uh, Larry Fedora denying concussions could exist. So yeah. they, could, they could live happy futures without concussions. Thanks He's not to, helping uh, his concussion. Thanks to Coach Coach America. He's not denying his concussions don't exist bit. Yes. When he can't even see the fight that everyone else saw. So he said. My team wasn't celebrating. Okay. Their team was celebrating. All right. In our end zone. That's what was happening. Yeah, because that's where they scored. <laughs> what? But there wasn't any fight. So. For the record, Larry Fedora did not have a fight in the final game he coached. Uh, at least, I don't know that he knows he's been fired or not. If you're listening, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Hate to break it to you. Well, I, I'd feel bad for Larry if he wasn't getting $12 million bucks to yeah. get the, uh, to get the million. hizzy. So. He knows about that. Uh, finally, the Egg Bowl went nuts. Big brawl at the end of the third quarter. Some guy got his helmet ripped off. I mean, that thing looked like. Yeah, the Miss old Miss quarterback got his helmet. Oh, ripped is off. that it? Yeah, that's going to be some cauliflower yeah. ear right there. Yeah. Um, quarterback's supposed to be smarter than that. One of my favorite college tra- traditions is when the ref gives everybody an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. I like that. <laughs> 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 yeah, y'all getting one. Uh, so, Pat, best brawl of the three. Hmm. You know, I got to go. Egg Bowl, although I, boy, I mean, I love the staffer on staffer fight. That that's really good. But Egg Bowl because it was in the game. The game was still going on. The guy who is playing quarterback for Ole Miss, who had just thrown a touchdown pass, runs down to get into it with his chin straps unbuttoned so that they can rip his helmet off and could have bludgeoned him in the face with it if they wanted. Uh, and yes, the the resulting personal fouls on everyone was awesome. It, it it led, I think, to a I think it was a backup Mississippi State kicker to tweet first personal foul of my life. Uh, it, it's uh, and that that rivalry is just so like off the charts bitter. It's incredible. I've been talking about for years, for like a decade, that uh, and basically those two schools are gouging each other's eyes out for the right to finish fourth in the SEC West <laughs> every year. Uh, and that is the case, actually. Mississippi State was fourth this year, and Ole Miss, I believe, was sixth. So, congratulations. Fourth and sixth place, loser brawl. Pete, do you have a favorite fight? I mean, can you imagine Monday morning at the SEC office when they have to flip the film on and decide all the fines and everything? And add to it that Hugh Freeze may be gracing us back on the sideline at some point this year. I would say that uh, this would make our uh, our friend Greg Sankey uh, have a few extra gray hairs in his uh in his head uh you know you've got you've got a pacemaker punch you've got an egg bowl <laughs> brawl when the whole world is watching and then you've got sort of uh i don't know pat can write a new column on hugh freeze to try to top his old bobby petrino column on the disingenuous drifter uh we can call it the uh the the escort calling ncaa uh infractions inciting Completely unself-aware, answering ever Twitter troll. I don't even remember what I started talking about, Hugh. But yeah, he's he's clearly just a completely awful, flawed character who's good at calling plays and will be back in college football at some juncture. I doubt as a head coach because I don't think there's anywhere soulless enough to do that. Whoa, but certainly, whoa, Western Kentucky <laughs> has emerged on the list of Hugh Freeze. I I will predict they will not hire Hugh Freeze. I will predict that. I didn't know they had like a red light district in Bowling Green. <laughs> <laughs> they have like a BW threes and that's it. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, oh, Hooters. That's it. You just go to the I, Hooters every year. That's coach's show. I mean, Hooters. If you look hard enough, you can find trouble in Bowling Green <laughs> yeah. or you can just drive south to Nashville. How hard did you look, Pat? How hard have you looked in Bowling Green? <laughs> I, I, I know not from my own experience. <laughs> However, 
I have heard tales from others. All right. Well, we'll see what Hugh Freeze does. All right. Uh, before we get to the coaching carousel quickly, uh, this one bothers me. Uh, Clemson defensive tackle Christian Wilkins scored a touchdown. In the Tigers' victory over South Carolina. He celebrated by doing uh, the Heisman pose. Okay, this is funny. He's a defensive tackle. He's doing the Heisman pose, the Desmond Howard Heisman pose. Um, well, anal retentive college football did not like it. Wilkins flagged for the quote unsportsmanlike conduct. That's the same penalty the guy got for trying to rip off, rip the old the Mississippi State guy's head off. Unsportsmanlike conduct for doing the Heisman pose. And then Dabo Swinney went nuts and was screaming at him on the sideline. And then he said later he'd never run the ball again if he did it. I mean, come on. We already had the Razorback Romeos and all the other things you guys do to take the fun out. And kids just have to create culture at all times. And rah. <laughs> One of the greatest plays and announcer calls in college football history was when Desmond Howard returned the punt for a TD for Michigan against Ohio State. Keith Jackson, the legend, is calling the game. Right as Howard crosses the line, he goes, hello, Heisman. Howard, unaware that Jackson just said it, decides, I'm going to strike the Heisman pose. I mean, this was beautiful. It's a legend. They play it all the time. This is like one of the great things that have ever happened. But now it's too risky or something. Dabo's going to yell. Desmond Howard's coach was Bo frickin' Schembechler. <laughs> he didn't have a problem with it. The guy, the Dabo was more mad about that than he was uh, Christian Wilkins punching Curtis Samuel in the groin a couple <laughs> years ago in that playoff oh, yeah. game. Like, way more yeah. mad. Like, I would yeah, think the groin my, punch was... would be a bit more taboo than a simple yeah. Heisman pose. Christian Wilkins with the burgling fingers. Like, yeah, I'm, I mean. What is wrong with these It was people? a goose more than a punch. Sorry. Dabo yeah, was a mini golf course and a slide in the football facility, but this is too much. Yeah. I mean, the NFL <laughs> is so much better. On Sunday, the Seahawks, Tyler Lockett and David Moore, after a touchdown, recreated Allen Iverson hitting a jumper and stepping over Tyrone Lou. <laughs> Tyrone Lou. Like a legendary, like twenty year ago NF- NBA highlight. Like that's that's next level celebrations. You had to be like, is that the Iverson loot? Oh my god! Right? What is wrong with these coaches, Pat? I don't know. It's unbelievable. Here's what I don't understand: When did it become a penalty to do the Heisman pose? You know, Desmond Howard didn't get flagged what that day, did he? No. I've seen how many? How many players have you seen do the Heisman pose and not get flagged? And everybody kind of laughs. <laughs> now, it's really funny when a 300-pound <laughs> defensive tackle does it because, yeah. A, he scored a touchdown, and B, he's never going to win the Heisman. <laughs> it's fantastic. Christian Wilkins, one of the best personalities in the whole sport. When he's not hitting you in the uh, – when he's not punching the – Well, yeah. yes, when he is not you know, violating <laughs> – Other than that. Yeah. The nether areas of poor <laughs> Curtis Samuel. Yeah. Uh, that was that was disturbing. I will say that was very disturbing. But uh, no, I, I I can't believe now that's a penalty. And then on top of that, his coach is screaming at him too. It's like, good God, people! I, I mean, lighten. Up. How big of a hard ass do you have to pretend to be? Again, Bo right. Schembechler didn't care. <laughs> you can tell me Bo Schembechler didn't have culture. Here's my gripe on the NFL. Obviously, all of us are watching Thanksgiving Day football on Thursday, and Zeke sets it up with the cameraman to drop the $21 in the thing and then makes a very nice gesture that'll match all the $21 donations. The Salvation Army, great cause, very cool. So the end of the game, Dak Prescott runs in to seal the game with a touchdown run, and Zeke picks him up and puts him in the Salvation Army bucket, and they get a 15-yard penalty. Like yeah, they get that. That's, that they get the that bucket probably, for the penalty. Yeah, that probably raised like six figures for poor, you know, people who are the neediest at the holidays. And there was the NFL niggling like the ref on Christian Wilkins. Well, I was, they, they, I, was Zeke, I was offended by that. Zeke got fined last year for jumping. I know in. Yeah, it yeah. didn't make it any. They better. don't like the prop. They don't like the prop. But, but you can do anything else for charity. Come on, I agree. I agree. Boo! They're Boo. better than these guys. Yeah, you can't do the yeah. Heisman. Yeah. You can do Allen Iverson it's... recreations. 
Yeah, I feel like every NFL team that scores now, there's like a Broadway production. Yeah, they gotta, it's like <laughs> oh, yeah. group selfies and a dance line. It's like it's like right. Hamilton breaks out every every defensive much, touchdown. I'll take that over this it. thing. I love it. Take Why that. Not? All right, let's get to the coaching carousel. Fedora's out. Uh, who's in it? UNC. Uh, Mac Brown. Can Mac Brown come back, Pete? So I did a list of 10 candidates, and I did not put Mac Brown because Mac uh, Brown would be an unmitigated disaster well, going back you know. to UNC. I Look, Mac Brown's a great guy, and everybody likes Mac Brown. He's great. But he basically took a Cadillac program and ran it off the road like Toons is the driving cat at Texas. They had no infrastructure. He, he he stopped. He basically stopped working. He was home at five every day. There was no discipline, and he let got the them to the mountain. Then rode him off the mountain. Correct. No, no, no. I mean, Certainly, he'll win a lot of titles his, at Texas. His total body of work there cannot be argued with. But how old is Mac Brown now, Pat? You would know that. Uh, he's up there. Hold, please. I'll check that out. All right. So Scott um, Satterfield at Appalachian State. How about that one? I think he'd be a great Irish. Won eighty percent of his games the last four years, and uh, yeah, he's sort of like you have to make a choice if you're Bubba Cunningham right now. You have to hire sixty-seven-year-old Mac Brown, who turned sixty-eight, according to Wikipedia, my favorite source yeah. for fake news. Um, Six, sixty-eight before next, yeah, first sixty-eight game next before year. first game next year, and like nobody inserts himself in more coaching scenarios than Mac Brown himself. So nice when guy, there were man. like potential coordinators leaked out, Mac Brown is like the master manipulator. My joke about him his last couple of years at Texas as the program was sort of spiraling to irrelevancy was that he'd already started auditioning to be on TV because he spent so much time doing media, so much time on the Longhorn Network, so much time on his radio show. He would meet with the TV reporters, then he would meet with the beat writers. He actually just stopped coaching. And it was awesome. Yeah, no, yeah, sure, it was great. great. It was great. And he was kind, and he knew everybody's name. Mac yeah. Brown, the most prolific first name dropper that I've ever been around in my entire life. I'll, I'll Pat, yep. Sa- Pat, Sally, and I. Pat, we we went down to the barbecue place the other night. Pat and Sa- Sally and I, we we got the three link sausage. And Pat, let me tell you, it it could not have been better. Ah, and and Joey, the owner, and his his dear wife Shannon, like that's classic <laughs> Mac Brown. And you know what? At UNC, where Roy has doggoned him to death and sort of charmed him with that false southern nonsense. Maybe they're maybe they're dumb enough to do it, but I think Bubba Cunningham eventually wants to be the athletic director at Notre Dame, right? Like that's that's where he wants to go. And you don't hire a recycle job to like, you know, pacify some like old timey boosters who have warm memories of Mac remembering their and their wives' names. You actually make a good hire for your program because that's going to make you more marketable down the line. So right. Mac is fascinating, but I am off. I am off the Mac bandwagon and. Uh, predict it would be a disaster but i i give matt credit he can still insert himself as a candidate and leak himself out as a candidate as well as anyone in the game right now god bless him at 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 nearly 68 for being on top of his leak game this is a full-throated uh smash job jeez i'm getting ready for my column when they hire him i might just like transcript what i just said all right cliff kingsbury got fired at texas tech he will become a uh oc somewhere i'm sure which means uh, if you're a single woman uh, or man, maybe in uh, any number of college towns, you got to hope that he gets the job because. However, tech's got a plan. I think they're going to, they're going to increase, increase the sexiness to the sideline by maybe going for Holgerson. Right. I mean, forget Kingsbury. You bring in a heart heartbreaker like Holgo. <laughs> Pat, what, who are we, who are we getting at Tech? Oh, I, I think it would be great to get Holgo. First of all, I think it would be a, a, a very good hire for Texas Tech to get Holgo. And I, I wonder if, you know, speaking of that sort of thing, the romance is gone with for him at West Virginia. <laughs> gross. You know, That's gross. That they've, uh, they've kind of that, – that, that marriage has kind of run its course of Dana Holgerson in West Virginia. They, they didn't quite get over the hump this year with Will Greer. And now, what are you going to do? Uh, let's go back to the let's go back to Texas, where Holgo has done a lot of great work. Do you think this is the first time Kingsbury's ever been dumped? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I guarantee it. Didn't he date Jessica Simpson? It. Like, who broke that one off? Like, I don't know. This mm, might have been I, the first time. He's like, wait, what do you mean you don't want to see me anymore? What? I do the breakup here. <laughs> have you seen me? It's, in not, it's not you. It's me. What are you talking about? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Holgo may be a bit of a step down with the uh, 
He's got the oh my gosh the the professor in uh, Back to the Future. He's got that yeah, hair going. Is, you know, it's is. like it's all over the place. Gotta, gotta Doc, shake things up. you talking about Doc? Yeah, Doc. Doc yeah. Brown, yeah, Doc I think. Brown. Yeah. Doc Brown. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah, that's Dana Holgerson's hair with less of it. I didn't think we'd have flux capacitor references on the pod today. <laughs> you never know, though, right? We're, like, we're, we're doing it, man. <laughs> Holgo, the clock tower. <laughs> All right. In uh, non-firing news, Clay Helton is remaining at USC. Pete, you have strong feelings about this. I uh, I did write a column on uh, Yahoo.com today indicating that I thought Lynn Swan was completely unqualified to be USC's AD, which his resume indicated. And then he extended him through 2023, guaranteed a boatload of money, basically put diamond-encrusted golden handcuffs on Helton, who really didn't deserve that because there wasn't much of a market for him. And now they're basically trapped. They're too embarrassed to pay out as much money as they'd owe he and the staff. So instead, basically, um, those two are stuck with each other, which is kind of perfect, actually, because they both really don't belong in the jobs they're at. Wow. And, uh, yeah, Lynn Swan is about to uh, face a season of adversity. And for a guy who's lived a pretty charmed, athletic life, he is uh, he is about to become the, uh, the, the at the crossroads of a storm. And I don't see the Helton thing working. Man, I'm going to tell you this. Pete has got the bitterness scale way above us, Pat. <laughs> He must have had one miserable Thanksgiving because you and I are like a couple of sweethearts this weekend compared to this. We are. Pete's savaging Mac Brown, savaging Hugh Freeze, Lynn savaging Swan. Lynn Swan. Lynn Swan. God, what a nice guy. Lynn Swan <laughs> is from the Steelers, and the Steelers change coaches every 25 years. So I can see where the patience is coming from. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Man. I tell you what. I, I don't see fans- it, but- Fans are bailing hard. Empty stadium. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was there. They haven't. They haven't put sixty thousand in the Coliseum all year, which is pretty amazing. Uh, and there, <laughs> I did pass a fan on the. He was walking out when I was walking down to the field with like two minutes left in the game. Had a bag over the head. The old New Orleans Saints trick Ooh. said, you know, USC <laughs> fan. So I just asked him on the way down. I said, so I guess you're ready for a new coach. Huh? He goes, you think? And just kept right on walking. <laughs> I think he spoke spoke for many USC fans. They're not happy with uh, keeping Clay Hill. You know, I don't want to sound bitter. It's a nice moral victory for little old plucky USC. They played Notre Dame close. You know, they should be happy. You know, a lot of optimism going into next year. You know, rank USC in your preseason rankings. Like, they played Notre Dame close. That's a, that's a, nice, that's a nice takeaway for them. Man. Acidic Pete Saint Pete Thamel. Really acidic. is acidic. Yeah, you guys are such kittens too. Yeah. Somebody like forgot to bring the pumpkin pie or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, all right. Uh, every week we give out the Heisman if it was only given for one week. Uh, we call it our small sample Heisman. Uh, Pat, who who is your small sample Heisman winner this week? I'm going with uh, Utah quarterback Jason Shelley. Backup QB got thrust into the starting job a couple of weeks ago. And he's done well. I mean, Utah has kept winning. And they're playing BYU in the Holy War on uh, Saturday. And they are getting housed. They're down 20 to nothing at halftime. They're down 27 to 7 late in the third quarter. And Jason Shelley leads the comeback. And they come back, uh, score 21 straight in the fourth quarter to win 35 to 7. Jason Shelley throws for 141 and a touchdown, runs for 61 and a touchdown. He's my small sample Heisman. All right, Pete, who you got? Small sample Heisman. I'm taking Dwayne Haskins, uh, the Ohio State quarterback who I saw on Saturday for my small sample Heisman. He threw six touchdown passes. He only actually was credited with five after the game. He got an extra one this morning. By the time we stopped taping the pod, he could have thrown another one. So his total keeps increasing. The, the, the money staff from that day was Michigan's defense. It's first 11 games, gave up seven touchdown passes. Dwayne had six. I Somewhere in Columbus right now, Paris Campbell's running a crossing pattern and running through the Michigan defense. But Dwayne broke Dwe, uh, Drew Brees' record for total touchdown passes in a season for the Big Ten, and he broke the immortal Curtis Painter's record for total yards. Uh, great season, Dwayne Haskins. Big day on Saturday. He's my small sample Heisman winner. All right. I'm going with Alexander Madison, running back. Boise State, junior from San Bernardino. They had the uh, Mountain West Mountain Division Championship was won 
by Boise. A very creative calling it the Mountain Division. Um, <laughs> and the other yeah. divisions, the West. Imagine that. Yeah, Mountain they're really West. something else out there. Uh, they beat boy, uh, beat Utah State. Uh, 37 carries, 200 yards, three TDs. That is what you call the workhorse. Great win for the Broncos, 10-2. and two. They get a rematch with Fresno in the Mountain West championship game, which features Mountain and West playing for the championship. I expect Alexander Madison to be there. He's got over 1,200 yards rushing. Uh, kid's really good. So uh, congratulations to you, Alexander. All right. Uh, viciously bad. We're very mean on this podcast. Uh, Pete, I'm going to start with you on this because you're just over the top. <laughs> this is our say something nice part. So to prove that we're not just horrible people. Pete, say something nice. Well, I'm going to say something nice about the Baylor Bears, one of the uh, handful of teams that won their sixth game on Saturday to clinch bowl eligibility. Uh, nobody has said anything nice about the Baylor football program for like the what past four years. Their coach, former coach uh, Art Bryles, has been exiled to Italy. Um, that place has just been a catastrophic mess administratively, athletic department wise. The board's been wiped out. The administrators have wiped out. The coaching staff has been wiped out. Matt Rule came in two years ago. I believe he won one or two games last year. Pat, what was he? One and 11? One. One and 11. One and 11. All right. This year, uh, the Bears beat Texas Tech, sending Handsome Cliff to the unemployment line to go 6 and 6, clinch a bowl. Baylor back on the rise. I am going to say something nice that Matt Rule, through difficult circumstances, that he and most of his players had nothing to do with have brought Baylor back to moderate pulse of relevancy. Congrats. Great job by Matt Rule. Last year, uh, after covering a Dallas Cowboy game, I drove to Waco for the sole purpose of asking Matt Rule, why did you take this job? <laughs> and he, he had a nice answer. And uh, here he is. Yeah. They're on to six. So good job, he, Matt Rule. He'd be better at North Carolina than Mac Brown. Yeah, he'd be better. He'd be better just about anywhere. He's a really good coach. Uh, all right, Pat, say something nice. All right, I'm going to say thank you to the SEC officiating crew that did the A&M-LSU game, <laughs> because if they hadn't butchered the end of regulation so terribly, <laughs> we wouldn't have gotten seven overtimes and 146 points and one of the craziest games anyone has ever seen. If they hadn't totally botched the spot and measurement of a fourth and 19 pass on the last second-to-last play of regulation – actually third to last play, uh, and given Texas A&M a first down it didn't earn, then that wouldn't have set the stage for them to spike the ball with a second left when there really wasn't a second left on the clock. The clock should have run out. And they conveniently overlooked the illegal formation, wildly illegal formation that A&M lined up in before they spiked the ball. So the triple crown of officiating incompetence led us to this classic game. Good job, refs. Thank you very much. We'll let Sankey and the boys figure out exactly how bad it was and start issuing apologies and reprimands on Monday. Don't let Dan give me the bitterness crown. That he might have, yeah. he might have, he might have beat me by a nose at the wire there. It really, that was a <laughs> down the stretch. They come. <laughs> I'm used to getting nosed out at the wire at the track. So yeah. Pat, you can you, you can run away with it. Cash your tickets. <laughs> Woo! I'm in. All right, I'm going to say something nice about Lovey Smith, who did not get really? fired by Illinois. He's sticking it out for another year. Sure, he's only nine and twenty-seven in Champagne. Details, but he won four games this year. Progress. <laughs> and yeah, sometimes it looks like he's just kind of hanging around collecting the money. But he has a trump card here. Have you seen this beard? Oh, it's beautiful. It is glorious. Pale white beard. It is proud. It is loud. It is tremendous. I, if I could grow that beard, I would wear a beard. Lovey, <laughs> we love you. We loved you with the Bears. We love you at Illinois because who cares if Illinois wins? People in <laughs> Illinois don't care if you win. The beard is enough. Sometimes the beard is just enough. <laughs> All right. That's our show. All right, before we get out of here, the Yahoo Sports College podcast is hitting the road. Seriously. And we want you to join us. Myself, Pat, and Pete will be hosting a live edition of the show during National Championship Weekend in downtown San Jose. 
the live show will be held Friday, January 4th in downtown San Jose, which is fan central for National Championship Weekend. Uh, the live show is free to attend. We'll have prizes and giveaways. And you'll get to see your favorite podcast host live in person for our National Championship Preview Show. Plus, we're going to have a listener Q&A session after the podcast. I mean, what is better than that? Space is limited for the event, uh, so make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss the upcoming announcements with details on how to reserve your spot. Hope to see you there. We will be drinking. Uh, We'll be back Wednesday. We'll break down championship weekend, conference championship weekend, which I'm going to trash because every one of these conference championships, other than kind of the Big Ten, have already been decided. There's no debate who won the leagues. But we're having it anyway. So you want bitterness? I'll be there on Wednesday. Pete's gonna have to. Pete's gonna have to match it. Uh, we'll have race <laughs> for the case late in the week. Subscribe. We'll talk to you guys later.